first time here then thank you for joining us this is the doula's guide to with me meg also known as the dungaree doula the podcast where we talk about all things pregnancy birth and postpartum sharing unbiased information to ensure that you go into birth feeling confident in the informed choices that you've made for yourself and your baby if you missed the first couple of episodes and would like to know more about me, then go and check out episode one for a little introduction and a big chat on hypnobirthing and the following episodes for some great birth preparation. This episode, we're going to chat about a quite a big topic. I thought we'd talk about pain relief options and different coping mechanisms um, to deal with the sensations of labour. I feel like they slot really nicely together and I've rounded up the info in a sort of succinct way. Um, I don't know if I'm going to ramble but I'm going to try and make it as succinct as possible so it doesn't feel too overwhelming. I'm based in the UK obviously, listen to this accent, so the information given here is UK centric which means that if you're listening to this elsewhere your pain relief options, at least the pharmacological ones, might differ a little bit so just bear that in mind as we work our way through the episode. So let's get into it. So has anyone ever said to you, upon finding out that you're pregnant, as soon as labour starts, just take all of the drugs? I know that people said this to me when I was pregnant, and I know that many of my clients have heard this too. It's generally said in a well-meaning way, by friends and family, or maybe colleagues at work, and they're just trying to have a laugh about what an ordeal their labour turned out to be. But what they're actually doing is planting the seed that birth is really intolerable and impossible without any sort of outside assistance or interference. It's a phrase that we hear thrown around all of the time, but it's just incredibly unhelpful and incredibly unrealistic. And the majority of us are not going to want nor need every single drug going. And that leads me to a question. So do you even know what pain relief options are available to you during labour? Do you know their risks? Do you know their benefits? Do you know the alternative methods of coping? Um, If you've decided to tune in, listen to this episode, then I'm guessing probably not. So (laughs) let's get into it. I'm going to start by talking about the pharmacological pain relief options that are on offer to you during labour and I'd like to say here that I am categorically not against using any of these drugs to help you birth your baby. I strongly believe that it's right for you to choose however you want to give birth and whether you want to give birth to your baby pain relief free or with every drug going there's absolutely no judgment here as long as you and only you have made that decision yourself and that you feel confident and you feel informed in those choices. So I'm going to try and give as rational and as unbiased a description as possible throughout this entire podcast. Obviously some of them will sound a little bit more appealing than others when we go through sort of the benefits and the risks and stuff, but that's not my intention. I am literally just giving you the information. So let's start at the very beginning. So Entenox, which is also known as gas and air, What is it? It's a colourless, odourless gas that you breathe in through a mouthpiece or a mask. Generally, when you're giving birth, you would use a mouthpiece. So what does it do? The pain-relieving effect is caused through the release of the body's own opioids. So it has a similar effect to morphine, but without having the side effects of morphine. (laughs) It's incredibly short-lasting, so for optimal usage, you'd ideally take a really deep breath of it at the beginning of a contraction to ensure that you feel the benefit of the gas in it at the peak of the contraction, and then within minutes, it will wear off, so its effects will be almost totally gone. Where can you have this? You can have this anywhere, basically. So you can have this in the hospital, on the labour ward, obviously. You can have this in a midwifely unit, attached or freestanding. 
And you can even have this at home as long as you are having medical professionals present. So if you're having a free birth, it would be harder to get hold of gas and air. But if you're having a home birth with midwives attending, they will bring canisters in their car and they'll settle for you in your home if you want it. The only reason that you wouldn't be able to have gas and air is, I guess, if they run out. But that seems unlikely because they've got a lot of it. And if, for example, they'd brought it to your home and you run out, they normally bring two lots of it so they would go and get the second one if you manage to go through two full canisters then they would just get someone from the hospital to bring you another one what are the benefits of gas and air and um, it doesn't harm baby in any way it doesn't pass through to your baby and they'll have no idea that you're using it so that's a really big benefit because there's other pain relief options that do go through to the baby and do affect them but gas and air doesn't there's also no serious risks to you as the person giving birth either like you can't even overdose on it obviously during birth you're not going to overdose on any of these things anyway but even if you took gas and air for a really prolonged period of time you couldn't overdose on it and I think that's quite reassuring to hear <laughs> it really is a safe form of pain relief and um, other benefits are that if you change your mind about using it like we said it wears off really really quickly so you could simply stop using it and the effects will pass really soon there were no medical procedures needed to administer it, so you're fully in control of how much you take, of when you take it, and of how you take it. So you don't have to wait around to be given it, you don't have to meet certain criteria, and it's pretty portable as well. So of course it's attached to like a bulky canister, but the tubing connecting the canister to the mouthpiece is generally long enough that you can use it in different positions and places, and the canisters are not that big, like they can be moved around with you, so they are portable. Of course, there are some cons or some risks, so what are they? So it can make you a bit sleepy, and some people feel quite sick or dizzy, so it's about how your body takes it. Some people absolutely love it and swear by it, but other people just absolutely hate the way that it makes them feel, and it makes them feel really out of it and sick, and that just completely misses the mark of relieving any of the sensations of labour, because now you feel incredibly dizzy and sick. <laughs> Um, the good thing about that is, like we said, it wears off really quickly, but that can also be another con for some people, so it does wear off really quickly. Good if you have an adverse reaction to it and you want to stop using it, but it can be annoying if you really love it, but you've got to keep taking it over and over again and you're getting tired of having to keep sort of moving it to your mouth and focusing on it um, every single time you have a contraction. It also makes your lips really dry, which is like such a small con, isn't it? But I feel like it's worth mentioning. So if you are considering trying that gas in there, you can pack a lip balm in your bag because it can make your lips so dry. So definitely bear that in mind if you're thinking about trying out gas in there. So we move on to the heavier stuff now. So you've got your pain-killing drugs, which are opioids such as pethidine and diamorphine. Um, what are they? Opioid drugs are painkillers, which are usually administered during labour by an injection into the thigh. Um, what do they do? These drugs work to alter your mood during labour. They can either make you more relaxed and better able to deal with the sensations that you're feeling, or they can make you go to sleep and have a rest. So two states that you might really be craving during labour, particularly if you've had quite a long birth experience. Where can you have this? You can have this in the hospital and generally you can also have it in the midwife led unit. It may be available at a home birth um, but if you're having a home birth and you're considering having pethidine um, or other opioid drugs it's generally a good idea to sort of request this in advance or just at least let the home birth team know that this is something that you're considering just to make sure that first of all the trust allows it and second of all that they've got it on hand if you do want it. What are the benefits of using opioids during labour? 
So they can relieve some of the sensations of labour. However, a systemic review of opioid drugs given during labour found that while pethidine is known to alleviate labour pain for some women, the quality of evidence is low. So I'll leave a link to that article in the show notes. Um, the jury is still out. Anecdotally, I know of clients who have had pethidine and found it great when they needed a rest, so they were incredibly tired and they were getting overwhelmed with the sensations of labour and how thick and fast they were coming after a really long first stage. So they were offered pethidine, they agreed to it, and it meant that they were able to lay down and have a rest as it just dulled the sensations for them, and then they woke up and was close enough to being fully dilated and ready to push. So it was great for them. However, I also have had other clients who've taken it and really, really regret it because it made them feel completely out of it and spacey and really sick, but did nothing for the sensations they were feeling. So it's really hard to call how your body will react to it. What are the cons? Um, There's quite a few cons to it. Um, Again, I don't want anyone to think I'm trying to put you off using pain relief or to think that I'm deliberately painting these things in a bad light because I'm not, but I do think it's important to talk about the pros and the cons because how can you make an informed decision on taking these things if you don't know the benefits and the risks? And like, unfortunately, a lot of the time when these drugs are presented as an option to us during labour, you're not being given all of the information. They might just be like, I don't know, like a passing comment of, would you like to try some pethidine? It'll help you get the rest that you need or something like that without going into the actual details. So the cons, these drugs pass through to the baby. So they're not localised within the mother, within the person giving birth. They pass through and they affect your baby. And obviously not all the time, but they can affect your baby and they can cause respiratory depression. They can cause drowsiness, which in some cases can last several days. Um, In the person giving birth, they can induce involuntary muscle spasms, they can cause drowsiness, vomiting and dizziness and they can slow down breathing which may require you to need oxygen. You can't use a birthing pool or water for at least two hours after taking them but for a lot of people it's longer than this and that is because of the drowsiness and the dizziness. So if you're planning to use water that would be taken off the table and you would likely need to lie down or at least be supported immediately after taking it. They can also make breastfeeding more difficult if you're planning to breastfeed um, immediately after the birth because as we've said, a baby's ability to suckle can be affected and also the person giving birth's oxytocin levels are disrupted which can affect the flow of milk. So there are quite a lot of side effects there to take into consideration when deciding whether or not you want a chance using opioid drugs. And finally, in terms of pharmacological pain relief drugs which are offered in the UK, Um, It's local anaesthetic, so an epidural. So what is it? It's a local anaesthetic administered... It's a local anaesthetic administered through a fine tube into the back, with or without an opioid painkiller. So in the UK, epidurals are generally an infusion of local anaesthetic and an opioid. Um, This is because it's been rationalised that better results are achieved with lower doses of each drug, therefore minimising drug-related side effects. That's from the website obviously I've not just made that up (laughs) so that's how they've rationalised it so it's highly likely that epidurals you're being offered in the UK contain an opioid and a lot of the time the opioid that they use is fentanyl which is not a nice drug it's 50 times stronger than heroin (laughs) I don't feel like that's common knowledge or something that people being offered epidurals are generally told but yeah epidurals in the UK tend to have fentanyl in which is yeah 50 times stronger than heroin Also in regard to the point made about rationalising mixing fentanyl with anaesthetic to minimise side effects. 
So in theory, I would question the logic behind this because surely by using two separate drugs, you're introducing different side effects that you wouldn't have encountered should you have only had one. So if you'd have only had the epidural, you wouldn't have the side effects of fentanyl, right? But they're saying that we introduce lower doses of birth so that there's less risk of side effect, I guess. I'm not a doctor, so I may be way off with that conclusion, but to me, it kind of seems to counteract each other because you're then introducing more side effects, I think. I don't know 100%, but that's, to me, that just makes logical sense. What does it do? So epidurals use a method of blocking the nerve roots with a local anaesthetic solution. They effectively work to numb the nerves to stop you feeling the sensations of labour. There's a continuous infusion of the local anaesthetic and the opiate drugs through the epidural and you can choose to either get completely numbed from the get-go or to start off by taking a lower dose which can allow you to sometimes remain mobile and to still feel some of the sensations of labour. I'm just going to really briefly interrupt myself to say I'm really sorry if anybody could hear my phone pinging at the beginning of me recording this podcast. I'm on call at the minute for a birth, so I need to have my phone on loud in case I'm called away to a labour. But I didn't realise that my microphone was picking it up because my phone's quite far away. But um, I've just checked and it is. So if that was really annoying you, I'm sorry. I've put it on vibrate now. And if I do get called away, that's why. (laughs) So let's carry on. Where can you have an epidural? So only in the hospital on a labour ward because an an anaesthetist is needed to administer it. So if you're having a home birth or a midwife-led unit birth and you decide to opt for an epidural, you would need to transfer to the labour ward. And that is fine. You can change your mind at any point. So don't feel like if you're planning a home birth and all of a sudden something crops up and you do really feel like you need an epidural, you can transfer at any time. And whether that is an emergency or whether it's just by maternal choice, either is fine. So in an emergency, an ambulance would come and get you. If it's maternal choice, you can just get driven to the hospital as you would if you were choosing to birth there. So you can still have them. You would just have to transfer. What are the benefits? Well, it's thought to be the most effective form of pain relief for labour. So if you are really struggling to cope, then this is the one thing that's going to give you certified relief from the sensations you are feeling. Um, It's not like opioids where we're not 100% sure. This is the most effective form of pain relief. Other benefits include the fact that the dose can be controlled. So like we said, you can start off weak, you can start off with a mobile epidural, and then you can top it up if it's needed. So it's not all or nothing. It's obviously not like gas and air where you can like change your mind and be rid of it in a few minutes, but you can start off smaller and maybe you'll find that that's enough for you and you can still sit up or you could still adopt upright positioning or bounce on a birth ball or something like that. And then if it's not enough, you can be in control of it. You can up the dose. Epidurals can also help you to feel back in control of your labour. So if you're finding it really difficult to cope before having one and you need something to help you out, then this can really help um, you to take back that control. I've been at births where people have had epidurals and this has been the case for them. So they've been um, really struggling with everything that was going on and they had an epidural and it completely switched their birth around and they went back into that positive birth mindset and they felt really confident and they felt really in control. So it can be great if you are really struggling. What are the cons? Again, quite a long list of cons, but like I said, I'm not trying to put you off, I'm just trying to give you the information. So to start with, there are quite a few risks associated with epidurals, including the risk of causing low blood pressure, uh, making it difficult to pass urine, which can make it harder for baby to descend. If this is the case, you would require a catheter, which is obviously not the nicest procedure. They can cause bad headaches, increased temperature, 
uh, temporary or permanent nerve damage, itchy skin, shaking, prolonged tingling in the legs after the epidural has worn off, and of course all of the side effects of opioids which we mentioned a moment ago. There's also the risk of infection at the puncture site, so where the epidural is inputted into your back, and some risks that are not necessarily caused by the epidural itself, but more so the circumstances that the epidural causes. So what I mean by this is, for example, if you're unable to move from a backline position, this in itself comes with its own risk because space in the pelvis is drastically reduced if you're unable to adopt any form of active bear positioning, which can lead to further risks such as like a prolonged second stage of labour, a higher chance of requiring an assisted delivery or a caesarean. There's also a higher chance of needing a synthetic oxytocin drip after having an epidural to speed things up, which again comes with a whole host of its own risks, including being more likely to need further interventions and affecting breastfeeding. It can also affect bonding with your baby and you can become more likely to suffer from postnatal depression if you need a synthetic oxytocin drip. You'll also be required to have continuous fetal monitoring. So this is monitoring of your baby's heart rate consistently. So you would have bands wrapped around your bump so that they can check the baby's heart rate. Of course, as with everything during pregnancy and birth, you can technically decline this continuous fetal monitoring, but you would have a hard fight and they may refuse to administer the epidural unless you accept this continuous monitoring. It does it does depend on the trust and it does depend on the midwife and the anaesthetist that you're dealing with and the legality of them withholding this from you is dubious. Legally, they cannot withhold pain relief, but that doesn't mean that they were sort of threatened to if you don't agree to their conditions. So it's kind of like a grey area. If you really do not want continuous fetal monitoring, it can be hard to access an epidural. You also cannot have them too early in labour or too late, so you have to find that sweet spot in between which can be hard to pin down and this may require you to accept things like vaginal exams which you may not have previously wanted and again your choice you can always decline a vaginal exam or anything that's offered to you but it may make it harder to access something like an epidural. So that was a long segment of cons. Process all of that information and then decide where you stand on them. So I hope that's given you a lot to think about. If you'd like any more information on pharmacological pain relief options, then speak to your midwife or your GP. Have a look on the NHS website, which is not great, but it does have a bit of information. <laughs> look up journals and articles. And like I said, I'll leave some good ones in the show notes because you can never be too informed. Never, ever, ever can you be too informed. So now we're going to look at non-pharmacological pain relief options or just different coping mechanisms, different ways that you can deal with the sensations of labour as they arise. So we'll talk about TENS machines first because this is something that you actually physically need to have. The rest of them are things that you can kind of just do, but this is something that you need. Well, you don't need it. This is something that you need if you want to try one. So the TENS in TENS machine stands for trans... <laughs> it's so hard to say. Transcutaneous electrical nerve stimulation. They're handheld devices which send mild electrical impulses to your back via four sticky pads. So there's like four sticky pads and you stick them on different points of your back and then they're connected by wires to this handheld device. They work in a couple of different ways. So firstly they work by blocking pain signals in the spine and secondly as a distraction technique. So you're no longer focused on the sensations making them easier to deal with. <laughs> They also work by building up endorphins, which are your body's natural painkiller. And our bodies are super duper clever. And when we're in the first stage of labour, any endorphins we create get stored up and banked for use later on when the sensations become more intense. So it's great to start creating endorphins during this first stage of labour. 
Tens machines are not just used for labour, so it's handy to try and grab one specifically made for pregnant people, as most of these models come with a boost function, which can be used during contractions, which can make the impulses that are sent into your body even stronger. So you'd wear them around your neck, you can keep them on for as long as possible, and you can use it continuously, and then every time you have a contraction, you just press the boost button and it intensifies the electrical pulses, and then you press it again to stop it at the end of the contraction and it goes back to running regularly. Um, they can be used by almost anyone, except those with a pacemaker or any type of electrical or metal implant in their bodies. They also cannot be used in a pool, so that is a con. So if you're really, really wanting to use water, then you've got a way up which you would prefer to try. Would you rather have a tens machine on or would you rather be in the pool? Of course, you could try both and see which you prefer, or you could use them at different stages. So researchers found that tens machines are most effective during the first stage of labour. And at this stage of labour, you probably don't want to be in the pool yet anyway. So you could use this for the first stage of labour. And then if you're wanting to try water, use water in the second stage of labour. Some other, like, sort of cons, I guess, is that some people do not feel the benefit at all. <laughs> some people just think they're a load of rubbish. So some people swear by them. Some people absolutely love them. I've had clients who have absolutely just found that they've made their labour. And then I've had other clients, and also me personally, who didn't really feel the appeal. I didn't mind it. Um, I loved it during pregnancy. It helped with some other things that I was dealing with in pregnancy. But during birth, I found it a little bit annoying. So it's completely up to you how you feel about them. I do have a discount code for you if you want to get one as part of like a package of discount codes that I have for um, clients. So Baby Care Tens are the UK's leading maternity tens machine providers. And if you use their website, you can hire a tens machine, which is handy because most of us don't need to buy them, but you can buy them as well. And you can get 10% off purchasing or hiring one using the code 10 Dungaree. So I'll pop the details and the links in the show notes. I promise you this isn't like a paid ad or anything. I just have a code for my clients and I earn a teeny tiny bit of commission if you use it. So it's really helpful for me and it can be really helpful for you as well because you get a saving. So thank you in advance if you do go ahead and use the code. As we've briefly just mentioned water there, I will chat about that next. So water is another great non-pharmacological form of pain relief and coping. So water can be a huge source of comfort during labour and can massively reduce the intensity of the sensations felt whilst you're on dry land. You can use water in a multitude of ways and alongside other forms of pain relief. So you can obviously get in a bath pool, get in a bath, up in the shower, or what can be really nice in the shower is to have your partner, your doula or your midwife or whoever's around to aim the shower head at the place of your body that is feeling the most pressure. So for example, a lot of us, this will be your lower back and just aim like the warm water from the shower head on your lower back and it can feel so nice. You can also use it in smaller ways. So like placing a cold wet flannel across your forehead or your neck to cool or comfort you can feel really, really nice too. I absolutely love this during my labour. My partner held a cold flannel against my forehead in both my labours actually and I absolutely loved it. It felt so nice because <laughs> you get really hot when you're giving birth. So it just cools you down and it's really comforting. You can use water while used in gas and air. So like I said earlier, this is quite easily done. The gas and air is portable. It can be brought to you in the pool or in the bath. And it can also be used alongside some of the other things I'm going to mention in a minute, such as like counter pressure or breathing techniques or aromatherapy. There are no real risks to using water. You just have to consider that if you're beginning to feel incredibly tired or sleepy while in a birth pool or bath, it is wise to ask for assistance getting out so that you don't fall under the water. 
You may also be denied access to a birth pool if you are high risk. So, for example, as a plus size person giving birth, I would like to sit here that this is bullshit. Um, the reason many hospitals have policies in place stating that plus size people cannot use pools is in case they need to get you out in an emergency and you can't get out because of your size. Which is a little rubbish, isn't it? Because plus size people can get in and out of a bath so they can get in and out of a pool. Um, if you're plus size and you're wanting to use a pool but being, but you're being told that you cannot, then you have two options. So the first is to plan a home birth and hire or buy a pool. No one can stop you doing this. It's your legal right to birth at home, even if you're doing it outside of your trust guidelines. Even if you're doing it outside of your trust guidelines, so by being a plus-size person, you're absolutely within your right to have a home birth. They legally have to support you, and they legally have to come and attend you during birth, whether you choose to get in that pool or not. If you don't want to birth at home, but you're being denied use of a pool, then speak to your head of midwifery, who will be able to sign you off for having a water birth, and they'll be able to pop something in your notes, so that whoever attends you in birth can see this, and you don't have to go back over the arguments that you've previously been having. To do this, all you need to do is Google the name of your trust, so for example, mine would be Leeds General Infirmary, so I would type in Leeds General Infirmary, head of midwifery, and find their details, and drop them an email saying that I'd like to meet them to discuss my birth preferences. You'll be able to do this. So moving on from water, we'll talk about counter pressure now. So this is like a top doula trick, basically using counter pressure during contractions. So sacral counter pressure or a hip squeeze consists of your birth partner, doula or midwife or whoever's around applying steady, continuous pressure to one area of your back or your hips. It can help to alleviate back pain and pelvic pressure and any sort of tensions built up in the area and it feels amazing. <laughs> it feels so good. There are obviously no real risks or cons except for that some of you may not enjoy the pressure I guess but I have never met anyone who has found it anything less than amazing. I spend a lot of time doulering just applying counter pressure so it's definitely worth a try. I'll post a really great video about it in the show notes and you can show your birth partners and get them practicing because it can feel really nice during pregnancy too if you have like achy hips or anything like that. And if counter pressure does feel too much, then on the opposite side of the scale, you can instead use light touch massage. So light touch massage works on two levels. Um, first of all, it creates oxytocin, the hormone which stimulates the uterus to contract, also known as the love hormone. And feeling loved up and full of oxytocin helps your labour to progress. And it also creates endorphins, as we mentioned earlier, your body's natural painkillers. So just have your birth partner or your doula lightly rub your back, lightly touch your hands or your feet, anywhere that you like being touched and it's going to really help you and it's going to help you deal with the sensations of labour. We'll talk about breathing techniques next and other hypnobirthing tools and of course I'm a bit biased as a hypnobirthing teacher but I do think these are wonderful. I know it sounds a bit like wanky to say, oh, I just breathed my baby out, but I actually did both times. <laughs> I didn't have a single bit of pain relief either time. I just used breathing techniques. And I guess I didn't breathe my baby out, I roared my baby out. I was loud. <laughs> but the only, yeah, the only pain relief, uh, the only coping mechanism that I used was breathing techniques. They are an absolute godsend. I didn't even like getting water or anything. Like I said, I had a funnel on my head. But yeah, I breathed my baby out. So breathing techniques are just incredible. 
They're a coping mechanism which improve the cardiovascular system, they can energise us, they can calm the nervous system and they can release muscle tension which are all incredibly important for a straightforward labour to unfold and when combined with other hypnobirthing techniques they've been proven to contribute towards higher chances of successful vaginal deliveries. So other hypnobirthing techniques include things like positive affirmations and visualisation. So I would highly, highly recommend looking into these. There are no cons and no risk associated and I do have an episode coming up this season on breathing techniques so listen up for that one. I'll pop a link in the show notes too of a video that I made um, all about breathing, up breathing for labour which in my opinion is the most important one that you really need to know. If you're really interested in hypnobirthing but you can't afford a full course or you don't have time to then I do have a pre-recorded online course which is £18.50 and there's a two-hour masterclass on all things birth prep and hypnobirthing techniques and you get loads of extras as well so I will pop a link to that in the show notes as well and do go and check that out if you think it might be for you. On to the last couple of things um, that I wanted to mention this episode is movement and gentle exercise and active birth positioning so these are great tools for labour so gentle exercise and movement such as swaying, walking, dancing and yoga can help relieve pressure in the pelvis encourage your baby into optimal positioning and act as a distraction technique and whilst active birth positioning can also relieve pressure and tension encourage babies into optimal positioning as well it can also help to create more space within the pelvis which can contribute to lower levels of pain compared to people delivering their babies for example laying on their back with less space available when you get into an upright position during labour you create up to 30% more space within your pelvis for your baby to navigate so no wonder it feels easier And the very last thing that I wanted to mention is aromatherapy. Aromatherapy is using essential oils either in massage, inhalation, in the air through a diffuser or in water, so like in your bath. Different blends have completely different properties and can be used to calm the mind and the nervous system. So for example, clinical trials have proven that using lavender in your blend during labour offers pain relief as well as being soothing and comforting. I don't know too much about aromatherapy other than other doulas and some previous clients have sworn by it so I don't want to say much more about it because it's not my area of expertise but next year in 2023 I'm finally going to be doing some aromatherapy for pregnancy and birth training and I can't wait to be able to share all of the incredible benefits that I keep hearing about but if this is something that you are into then yeah lavender you definitely want to include as long as you like it remember as well that in giving birth we're trying to create oxytocin and to create oxytocin we've got to do things that we love so if you have a scent that you absolutely love then use that that's going to create oxytocin it's going to make you feel really happy and loved and safe so think about how you can utilize this and that's it that's everything i wanted to waffle on about today (laughs) i appreciate that this was probably quite a long episode Before I go, I do want to quickly explain why I talk about the sensations of labour rather than labour pains or painful contractions. And the reason for this is that language is just so important. So if you think back to the episode on building up a positive birth mindset, I discussed how our subconscious stores everything that we see, that we hear, that we read, and then our nervous system uses that information to react to circumstances that we're presented with. So if I'm constantly talking about labour pains or painful contractions, then I'm flooding your subconscious with the narrative that labour is really painful. And that's simply not true for a lot of us. Of course, some people, it probably is, some people would describe labour as painful. But for a lot of us, it's more accurate to describe labour as a journey through sensations. So it's like a journey through sensations that build in intensity 
And it's a lot more helpful for our mindset to start thinking about labour in this way whilst we're pregnant. So it is, it's just it's just a journey through sensations which our body creates that we can deal with. And I've just given you a huge toolkit of coping mechanisms that you can practice and utilise so you can do this and you can deal with these sensations. There's quite a popular like positive affirmation about this and I really, really love it. It's my surges cannot be stronger than me because they come from within me. And that is true. You are stronger than your surges or your contractions or whatever you choose to call them and you can deal with them. So I'll leave you with that little nugget and that concludes our chat on pain relief and coping mechanisms. I hope you all found it incredibly helpful and that it's given you some food for thought. I would urge you to read all of the links in the show notes and conduct your own research into pharmacological pain relief for birth um, so that when you create a birth plan, you can make informed decisions about which options feel right for you and where you draw the line. And of course, get practising the non-pharmacological options too. Go and watch the video on upbreathing, looking for active birth positioning, etc. If you have any more questions, then come hang out on Instagram where I'm at the Dungaree Doula and let me know if you enjoyed the episode. Thank you so, so, so much for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please do stick around, like, follow and subscribe or leave a little review if you don't mind. That would be very, very helpful. And speak soon. See you next week. Bye.